0: Thank you so much for downloading this episode of So What Do You Really Do, the podcast where I, your host, dead-air Dennis Maller, speaks with artists and entertainers about their day jobs. And on the podcast today is comedian and actor Eric Griffin, who you may recognize as Montez from Workaholics. He and I had a conversation over the phone about acting, being a... Actor being a comedian, some of the pitfalls along the way, uh, and we had a good chat, and I enjoyed it. This was also done in conjunction as a article for Dig Boston. So, if you want to check out the Q and A with Eric Griffin, the bridged version, go to digboston.com, uh, or pick it up in the print version of your local newsstand here in the Boston area. And of course, this conversation is the full unedited phone call that we had. Uh, it was a fun one. Great guy. I will say he definitely did a very traditional version of where he seemed a little skittish at first and then he kind of opened up. I don't know. You tell me what you think. Leave a comment in the comment sections if you want because that does help me share these podcasts with other people. Uh, Speaking of other podcasts, we got a lot of podcasts coming up. So there's going to be a semi-regular release schedule coming up. Uh, I got some content, uh, some weekly-esque content that I'll be releasing. Basically, I did, I was fortunate enough recently to monitor, uh, to monitor, to moderate a couple panels at the Boston sci-fi film festival. And I recorded them. So there's going to be a couple of, uh, episodes coming out, me talking with people about the world of sci-fi. We have a bunch of different topics. So that's going to be a fun one. It was going to be a couple fun episodes to listen to. Um, I will lament right now that one of them was a wonderful interview with a, uh, documentary film director. And, uh, it was on an SD card and in the midst of changing SD cards for another recording, that one got lost and it's now gone and I'm pissed. Because it was a great interview with a great uh, director uh, who was funny and warm and open. Uh, And I think uh, all on top a very interesting person. And unfortunately now it's all gone. And I'm pissed off about that. And I probably shouldn't bring it up, but I will anyway. uh, I'll make this the only time that I mention how mad I am about it. Unless that SD card magically appears somewhere. (laughs) Then I will mention uh, how happy I am to have that podcast episode back. But right now, not so much. So, anyway, here we go. Let's dive right in with my conversation with comedian and actor Eric Griffin. Hello. Hi, my name is Dennis Mallor. I'm calling for Mr. Eric Griffin. This is Eric. Mr. Griffin, it's Dennis from uh, Dig Wilson. How are you doing this morning? I'm
1: good. What's
0: happening? great 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 you got a cup of coffee get yourself uh, nice and woken up and uh ready to chat yeah okay uh, first off I just want to say I uh, I was I saw your half hour taping at the Wilbur a couple years ago and oh
1: my god that's so long ago
0: it was a while ago but I remember it specifically because you came out with so much high energy and so like you came out swinging on the crowd and I am kind of curious did that have to do with kind of the, cloud, uh, the crowd being a little lackadaisical that night and the other comedians being a little bit low energy before you or is that kind of your normal ML?
1: Well, I remember that night just um, I actually came out and like said something that I wasn't going to say just to get the crowd going and they actually used it in my in the special. So, yeah, I wanted to like get them going because I was like wow, it did seem like it was weird energy in the room that night.
0: Yeah, and I, I, I went to since I moved to Boston and they were, they were doing the tapings here in Boston. I went to all the half hours except for like one or two that I had my own shows booked on at the same night, but they really are just papered. Like they paper in an entire nightclub <laughs> or an entire theater. Um And it kind of works out a little bit weird. Um,
1: yeah, I think so too. I mean, sometimes you watch a half hour special of someone that you think is really funny and you're like, how come that didn't go well? And it's just, it's not necessarily their fault. It's just like, the way they put it together, it just seems as if it's not conducive to getting a crowd that really wants to laugh at comedians. So sometimes it just comes across, you know, sometimes you catch lightning in a bottle. And I, and then I, I always think that when it doesn't go well, I'm not going to necessarily be like, oh, that guy's not funny or that girl's not funny. I think it's just like, oh, that probably is a weird taping night. That's what I've come to know.
0: Yeah, and I just from watching them, I know they do a really good job of, and I'll say sweetening them up because I don't want to say make it sound like they're adding laughs that weren't there, but they definitely do a great job of making the la- maximizing each and every laugh audio. Well,
1: you know, it's a well, it's a it's a TV show. You know what yeah. I mean? It's not a live sporting event. You know where there's score or something, or it has to be like some kind of like <laughs> you know done. You know, it has to be done with some sort of like morality to it or like you know this is just a it's a TV show so it's got to it's got to look good so people will watch it
0: speaking of TV shows how about that for segues uh you've done a couple of TV shows obviously workaholics i'm dying up here which both are uh, very very good and very different dynamics uh, but you've also done a couple movies, like uh, the so-and-so, so-and-so need wedding dates. I, f- I forget the name of the characters. Mike and Dave. <laughs> yes, I'm sure that's what it, <laughs> That sounds like it.
1: I think I think I, I, I would have liked that title better. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so-and-so need wedding dates. <laughs> um, do you prefer TV movies, or is there no difference, or is there a difference, uh, and it doesn't matter, though?
1: Um, I mean, if you just go into the nuance of it, there's a lot of differences, like... Um, you know, like a single-cam TV is very much like a movie. So, you know, as opposed to, say, a three-camera sitcom in front of a live audience, that's completely different. You know, that's more like stand-up. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, like, I like I like it all. I just like to work. You know what I mean?
0: Okay. Um, And now speaking of the two shows, uh, did you actually know any of the, the three main guys, workaholics? Did you know them from comedy before being a part of the show?
1: Yeah, I knew of Adam, and I've, I've been at some shows with Adam a few times. It's funny, like the week before, the week before I auditioned for Workaholics, I was at a show with Adam, and I was like, I was like being like this big brother guy, I was like, you know, you're doing good, man, keep it up, not even knowing that he already had a show about to come on the air. <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey, you, you're doing good, kid, one day th- good things will happen yeah, to you, yeah, next actually, the, that, they already that's happened. exactly how I
1: was, I was like, you're gonna make it one day, kid, you're good, you know? And then here, here I am. I walk into an audition room, and here he is sitting there. <laughs>
0: that, I, that's. I had a similar situation with a, uh, a casting, or not a casting A guy who runs a talent agency. I knew him from a uh, from a band he played drums in through his singer. He does some casting call. I show up. I'm like, oh hey, good to see you again. I should automatically get this job, right? And that didn't happen. But uh,
1: <laughs> so uh,
0: yeah. uh, uh, now working with. Uh, on oh, I'm dying up here on showtime that's a completely different uh type of show compared to Walk yes, cuz they're both yeah. comedies but two different styles of comedy was there a preparation or a um a culture shock to use a lack of a better word I'll find a better word when I write this actually write this out um that you had to like adjust your acting technique with this with I'm dying up here well,
1: yeah because it wasn't a comedy at all actually actually a drama and i didn't realize yeah. that until like we were there doing it and, you know and i was like oh wow this is they're asking something different of me and it was challenging very challenging but um you know it was a, it was worthwhile it was very fulfilling you know it was very like it was great to do something so different you know
0: do you do acting uh, as a stand-up comedian do you do acting jobs to support your comedy or is it I also want to be an actor and that's why I do these roles.
1: Um, It's like, it's both. That's a, that's a, a twofold answer. both, you know, because it's like, you know, uh, acting jobs, but see, cause nowadays, nowadays that's not even true anymore. You know, it's like, I've been on TV 13 years and it seems to me that this podcast I'm doing is getting people to come to my shows more than that. Hmm. So I still enjoy acting cause that's like a big paycheck, but. You know, I don't necessarily do it like like some people are like, oh, you gotta, you got to be on TV so people can come watch you. So now that's not really the case anymore.
0: Yeah, I always find it interesting with comedians who do a lot of acting gigs uh, because of the um, Mitch Hedberg joke that is, when you're a stand-up comedian and they want you to do everything but stand-up. Hey, you're really funny. Can you act? Can you read? Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's like asking but stand- a But
1: stand-up's a... Stand up, such an individual thing, anyway. Like, if you want to do stand up, you got to go out and do it. I mean, you know, you don't need you don't need much to go do stand up. You know, you don't need like a whole. You know, you can go do it on your own. And then this acting, you need like this crew of people to help you do that. You know,
0: when you started with uh, I'm dying up here, since it's a show about stand up comedians, did was there an open relationship between you and the writers on writing some of the material for the show?
1: Yeah, we we had some say, but like, you know, I mean, it's 70s comedy. So I didn't really I didn't I wasn't that familiar with it, you know, so I just I left it up to the writers to come up with like this is like the framework of like, oh, this is what this guy's talking about right now. And then I said, OK, well, let me have, let me try to put like whatever the flair that this character is going to put on it. You know, it was actually it was actually kind of difficult. I mean. I don't like stand up on television shows cuz it's it's really hard to like capture what live stand up really is. So you know, it was it was something else, man. <laughs> you know.
0: I think I saw on a deleted scene or like a behind the scenes thing you 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 had they you wrote a Nixon joke that they end up cutting for time.
1: I think they just cut it cuz they I don't know. I don't know why they cut it because they used something else. So I don't know if they cut it for time. I think they just cut it. But I just, you know, maybe it was just too, even though it was about Nixon, it might've been too modern.
0: Okay. Um. Before you did comedy, you had, you know, in your bio, like the first line in your bio is uh, realize it, you know, quit his day job, to become a comedian in 2003. Uh, and since this, I run a podcast where I talk to people about their day jobs. I can't but help wonder, what was that day job that you quit the, before you became a full-time comedian? Well,
1: I was working at a school. I had a whole different life plan, you know. I was going to I was like doing the doing the yearbook, working in the office. I was going to school to finish up so I can like officially become a teacher and I it just but it's just that's not what I wanted to do.
0: Is there? Uh, do you think working in front of a crowd of kids help prepare you for stand-up? or were you um, doing stand-up I, before I that and I you always, think it helped when I, you?
1: When I used to coach, I mean, I always am like, I always had like an entertaining way about myself because when I used to coach basketball, I would, uh, you know, the way I would like yell at the kids from the sideline, the crowd behind me would laugh. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, that's when I first learned that, oh, my emotional state is funny to people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, so that was
1: a hard, that was a hard thing to swallow at first. Cause you know, you know, you're, you're yelling at somebody cause you're angry and then people behind you are cracking up. I mean, that's, you have to really accept that. And then once you do, you'd be like, oh, okay. And this is can translate over to, you know,
0: entertainment. Uh, Now that I know you coach basketball, the name of your first album, Technical Foul, makes a lot more sense. (laughs) Uh, And speaking of Technical Foul, uh, how do you feel like you've changed comedy-wise, if any, from Technical Foul all the way up to uh, last year's special, American Warrior, which, by the way, great job with the pun.
1: You know, I don't... (sighs) man I don't think I changed that much. I mean I really don't as I, as I look back on it, it's still like my sensibility on, on, on throughout the whole thing. It's just that just different topical topics that, that are out there that, that I'm talking about. but I haven't changed that much actually.
0: Well with that uh, with the political you know you're a lot, you see, the, I when I remember watching it on Showtime when it premiered last summer. Uh, it you seemed a lot more political than I remember you being. Do you think that's a product of the? Well, I guess that would be nation? a
1: change. Yeah, that would be a change. You know, but the thing is, is like that's what they wanted. You know, I was doing that some of that material because like the world's changing. You know, with the Me Too, with like everything that's going on in the world. And like specials don't need to be evergreen anymore because people like you watch them and then they consume them and then they want something else and something else and something else. So I thought, OK, well, here's what I want to talk about now and then I'll just do another one next year or something, you know. So that's just how that came about. <clears throat> and so, yeah, the difference is that I was talking about political topical subjects. Yeah.
0: Were you were you was there a moment while you're writing that thing where you sought out more of that uh, that material?
1: It just was what I was doing in the clubs. And so I made a tape and I sent it to Showtime because I was inquiring about like doing a second special. And then they were like, oh, we love this stuff. Can you do it? Can you? Like, I, I turned in a tape in January and they were like, can you deliver this special by April?
0: That's great. Cause wa-
1: yeah, because they wanted it to coincide with the show. So it was like, yeah, it was a lot of work. That was the hardest work I've ever done. In stand up for myself, like in in a short amount of time, I really had to hustle. Like every set I was doing was about that special. So I really enjoyed the work. Actually, I enjoyed the the pressure of it. I enjoyed the um, I enjoyed the putting that together for that taping.
0: Do you think, as a comedian, when you have that kind of a deadline and you have those restrictions of the topics that you're that you're already doing and that you're uh, narrowing down, do you think your uh fight or flight uh reflexes is uh, is something that kicked in and helped you out?
1: Oh, hell, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because I was actually taping. I'm dying up here at the same time, so I couldn't even go on the road. So I was doing like a lot of local shows. I was doing like, you know, the like um, the Irvine Improv, the Hollywood Improv, the Comedy Store, the, like the Belly Room. I would do an hour in there. Uh, you know, Ur, uh, um, Brea, Ontario. Uh, you know, I was doing like I was grabbing hours wherever I could. The Ice House to prepare for that. So it was like I I really enjoyed that. It was like. You know, it was like I was like, I had to prepare, write, and like every single time I got off stage, look at notes, listen to tapes. I mean, that work ethic I had when I was doing that is like, I was like, oh, I need to do this all the time. It really taught me something about how to work as a stand up again.
0: Is it, uh, obviously it's harder, I guess, writing, staying in LA because there's less, um, there's less long-form spots in L.A. as opposed to the road or, I guess, in maybe New York. Right.
1: Yeah, there's not a lot of places that people are just going to let you do an hour.
0: Um, Since you mentioned it, let's uh, talk about, about your podcast real quick because your podcast is pretty new, right? You only started it a few months ago.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm very new cuz you know, this is what you got to have now. You got to have a Twitter, Instagram, <laughs> and a podcast to, to make it as a comedian. It's very it's very it's very annoying, but you know what? I'm enjoying doing it.
0: Uh, do you have any experience doing interviews or I get I'm assuming it's an interview podcast. I haven't listened to it yet. I'm sorry. Um, um, but is it just you and it, other comedians it, talking?
1: It, no, it's ha- it's half it's about half and half cuz when I first started cuz I wanted when I before started doing interviews, it was just solo. It's just me riffing. It's called riffing with Griffin. So, like topics in the world, I would just like go on and talk for like thirty minutes about it. So that's really what it started. It started off as, but then I started getting some interviews, and I've been doing oh shit, sorry, I've been doing a lot of interviews in the meantime. But I'm still going to go back to just me solo, you know, talking.
0: Do you feel is that more comfortable for you than than trying to have a dialogue?
1: Uh, no, I like them both Look because it just depends on what's going on in the world. Like, if some you know, if Trump does something crazy and I'm like, let me take 30 minutes to talk about this or I, uh, you know, take questions on my Instagram and Twitter and then I answer those questions on my podcast, you know. Okay. And then I'm also I'm also I do a lot of things on my podcast. So I, I also play video games on my podcast, you know. So you can, I go live, play video games and I put that up on my YouTube channel. And, you know, so I have that and interviews, you know, so it's pretty cool. And people are very interactive like uh, I start when I first started doing it I would play a song in the beginning and I would like sing a song like uh, like an intro song and I would sing like I would change the words to riffin with griffin you know what I mean
0: oh nice
1: and then and then what happened was when I started to monetize they were like oh yo this is copyright infringement so then I said okay I need, I need to start doing original music and then what happened was these kids out here these producers, these young and not, not even just kids, young and old, they started sending me original theme songs. So that's like <laughs> that's like great. So I have like a lot of original theme songs on uh, the podcast. So it's been pretty it's been pretty fun. And so now what I'm doing is like I'm actually now I'm doing this. I have a green screen set up and now I'm doing my podcast like <laughs> like I wherever, you know. So I'm telling people now, hey, if you're a graphic artist out there and you want to make me a studio, <laughs> you know, make me a background and I will be in it. You know? So it's like a, it's very interactive. Uh, and I really like how the people that listen, they really I don't know what it is about podcasting, but it seems that people really enjoy being a part of it. You know what I mean?
0: Live from the Chroma Key Studios. It's riffing. Yeah, with exactly.
1: Exactly. <laughs> I definitely.
0: Uh, when yeah. I started in radio, uh, I was doing a college radio show with independent bands, and one band came in and wrote a, a you know forty five little second song for me to change my intro to, and I, I it, my heart swelled three times. It was it was I, I feel you on that. Being all by people taking the time to make something for you.
1: Oh, man, you got to. These people are making like. I'm talking about this is like some real music, man. <laughs> it's really fantastic. Like this one. Yeah, I, I'm just blown away by every time they send me something and they're, and they're so excited to do it. So I'm really just like thrilled about the whole thing. So
0: glad you have an audience that enjoys uh, that kind of engagement. Yeah, um, yeah. As a gamer, I don't play video games, so I'm very ignorant to it, but I will ask you. Uh, uh, as, as all right, I may be putting you on the spot on this one, and I apologize, but I feel like this is mm-hmm. going to be a fun question, uh, or you can just bail out of it if it's too hard.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Out of the video games that you play, which video game would you like to write a spoof NPC spin off? Like, if, uh, for example, uh, Halo. You would want you would write a uh, like a spoof web series about the mechanics who work on the cars in Halo, or
1: oh oh yeah yeah like I got that. you is there any that yeah you... yeah yeah well yeah the game Destiny that I play that would be so funny Destiny is hilarious game you know that's uh, it, it's so many characters in Destiny anyway so much story in it I'd love to be like like a like a mock like like a Modern Family type show where there's like these mock interview things that'd be great in Destiny you know what I mean all
0: right cool and uh. So here's a question I ask everybody, every, every comedian, because I find it interesting. Because uh, uh, do you feel you're more of a writer or a performer?
1: I'm t- totally more of a performer. Okay, uh, and I'm not ashamed to say that.
0: Okay. Um. Yeah, because I, I feel that I've always uh, that my performance has always outweighed my writing skills. Whereas friends yeah. who ha- who can just sit down, write, come up with a piece, and then. They could literally hand it to anybody and still work. So I always find it interesting that well,
1: it's definitely a, it's definitely a a, a a skill that you know deserves respect. You know what I mean? It's like uh, you know I'm not you know you know what I'm saying? It's like it's what an amazing thing that that some people have in them to do. You know, mm-hmm. so you know I, I just you know it's like when you go on a show or something like that. You know, for the shows I've been on, and I see how these people. You know how they. You know you're looking at these words on the page, and you're like, "Wow, this is amazing." You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Uh, And then uh, finally, we'll do one final question, and we'll let you uh, go back to your uh, to your morning coffee and relaxing, and and whatever it is you do at nine thirty in the morning. Uh, I know. You mean sleep, (laughs) (laughs) dude? I wish I could go back. Well, usually I go back to sleep after these interviews around this time. Unfortunately, I'm helping with a science. Science fiction fe- festival in town, so I have to.
1: Oh wow, I love that. I Love science fiction. That's, some of my, that's, that, that's my favorite uh, audio book genre. Oh
0: dude, we're we have a thirty five millimeter print of King Kong. We're watching this weekend.
1: Oh wow, that's great. Uh, so it's just sci fi movies.
0: Yeah, sci fi movie film festival. Uh, oh and some wow, panel discussions that's great. I,
1: I love that. Oh man, I wish I could be there for that.
0: You yeah, know? unfortunately, it ends. I think we're doing it this weekend and next weekend and you'll be here the 21st to the 23rd at laugh boston tickets at laughboston.com
1: Oh, that's uh, right. Don't forget about that. Yeah, laugh boston. Yeah.
0: <laughs> speaking of laugh boston, uh, which is a fine club and everything, but I'm sure you've had bad road experiences out there and uh what makes for a bad bad experience with a club when you're on the road?
1: Oh uh, god, speaking of that club in particular, yeah, I did have a bad experience at that club. They uh I had um What happened, um, there was a a fight broke out at that club. Two girls started fighting and then made the guys fight, and it was like a big brawl in the middle of the show.
0: Oh, the last time you were here?
1: Not the last time, the time, but I think the first time I was there. Oh, geez. Really crazy. Really crazy, but you know, it is what it is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's on the top of the list when the uh, patrons start fighting. Uh, Yeah, man. Was it over, uh, I I grew up in Baltimore, and I started at the Baltimore Comedy Factory. Uh, Oh, wow. Two months after I moved here to Boston, I get it. I'm scrolling through tweets and I see a tweet. I want to say it was from Bill Bellamy. That was he was at the Baltimore County Effect that that weekend. And he goes, man, people in Baltimore, uh, they be stabbing each other over chicken wings. And I quickly looked up, see what the hell was going on. Turns out patrons there got into an argument about the price of their of their bill for their literally chicken wings that they ordered got into an argument with bouncers and stabbed three bouncers outside uh oh like-
1: yeah man there's like yeah yeah i I've that that Baltimore that's the Baltimore comedy factory yeah yeah I think I, I think even uh what's his name um um oh gosh, so someone else I know got into a situation there. Yeah, that place is a that place is a nightmare. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I worked. I'm five foot six, little pudgy little white kid, and I worked the door. And there's plenty of people I had to drag out there in a headlock, and I don't know how I did it without getting killed. Luckily, in the Bill Bellamy chicken wing stabbing incident, nobody was. Uh, mortally wounded, they were all superficial uh, stab wounds. Oh, in,
1: in Chicken Wing Gate?
0: <laughs> <laughs> the Buffalo Wing incident of, of yeah. two thousand thirteen. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. You, yeah. The way you said it is like uh, <laughs> Buffalo the, Massacre, the Wing. The, but, yeah, the Chicken Massacre of. Uh,
0: <laughs> uh, but uh, outside of like a uh, fights or anything like that, is there something that uh, where you're, you go, you kind of just roll your eyes and just have to grit your teeth and bear through it? That happens.
1: Um. Yeah, I've had a lot of incidents. Like just one, like you know, uh, TMZ picked up because this is my own freaking fault because I started recording this lady acting crazy. Then because I started recording her, everybody thought it was okay to p- bring your phones out. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> so that's what happened there. You know. Hmm. So.
0: But uh, what about like with the club, uh, you know, if there is there a situation where you where you've ever had to deal with like them being too demanding or bad accommodations or is it we're in a oh, stand-up yeah. bubble and that it gets a, it's a little bit better yeah. now than it was. Man.
1: Uh, yes. All all of that. No, I still have to deal with that. I still have to deal with like why am I staying in this hotel situation? You know, as much as you think you've made it, you haven't made it. You know what I mean? And that's why it's a constant struggle. I mean, stand up comedy is like the only business where you have to keep proving yourself every single time you go out like nobody it's like as if you're not trusted in what you do you know what i mean yeah. yeah it's like if i was a if i was a neurosurgeon and like be like the next hospital is not going to be like oh can you uh be a resident again because we're not we, Can i see a tape of your surgery and you know you know what i mean it's like you know, they don't trust the last place that you just were, you know. So that's just that's the hard part about this business is you're constantly proving yourself in the same way. You know what I mean?
0: Oh, that's an awesome quote. All right. Uh, Mr. Griffin, I will let you go for the rest of the day. I appreciate you taking your time. Uh, Just an FYI, uh, the conversation we have will be a uh, Q&A style print article in Dick Boston. I will drop a uh, I think we're going to go. I'm going to submit this on the 15th, so it will go to print on the 21st. Um, I will drop off a – so it will go online and in newsstands. I will drop off a print copy to Laugh Boston for you, for you to keep, for you to send to your mother, for you to burn or throw away, do whatever you want with it. I just like everyone to make sure they have a print copy for whatever reason they may enjoy uh, I will get a headshot from your manager, and I will uh, also. Are you going
1: to be around? Are you going to be around at the club in Boston when yeah, I'm there? Yeah,
0: I'll come by the the club that night, like just before the show, and drop it off to you. That way, I'm not too intrusive.
1: Sweet man, love it. Thanks a lot.
0: Um, and then, if it's all right with you, this phone call uh, conversation I'll release as a podcast, and there'll be a note at the bottom that says, "Listen to the full unedited conversation at www.somethingstuff, dot something stuff." If that's okay with you.
1: Got you. Got you. That's perfect. Thank you.
0: Awesome. All right. Great talk. Uh, it's, I think a lot of people are going to like it. Have fun at Laugh Boston on the 21st and 23rd, and I pray that there will be no uh, cat fights.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too, man. Thanks a lot, all right? <laughs> Take care, bye. <laughs> all right, bye bye.
0: What a swell guy.